Uh, black hearts on my card again. At the crib telling your girl that we should. Right, hey, hey, what do you say? We're back again with another edition of the Write the Radio podcast. Uh, Rob and Rob are not in today. Manoff is, you know, doing his own thing for the time being, and Whitney is down at Wildwood having himself uh, a nice little family vacation. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea what he's up to. Wildwood. Yeah. There you go. Wild, yeah. Wildwood's a good time. Yeah, I saw his... He posted it on Instagram. It was like, he was out on the balcony, and his daughters were passed out, and I assume that's the only quiet that man gets <laughs> on about a daily basis. <laughs> so, good for Rob for enjoying it. Um, I wish it was better weather for him. Uh, but we are here with Vince Quinn. Who's Yo. become a pretty regular part of the show. And our special guest, making his first appearance on the Write the Radio podcast, Eric Johnson. How you doing, EJ? How's it going, guys? Pr- uh, proud, to, proud to become uh, Rob Johnson for the day, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and... Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show, uh, basically just trying to avoid the Sixers. But we're talking about Grant Hill color, uh, Grant Hill shoes, uh, his deal with Fila's. And I found some. I'm showing them to Vince right now. Doesn't that kind of look like the floor of like a skating rink? It that does. It's like that super multicolored. It's very colorful. It, yeah. It's got like a '90s, very colorful vibe to it. But the thing, it's the height of the shoe is alarming. I mean, it looks like you're wearing a pyramid. Like it just it curves and it keeps going up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you've got the point in the middle that kind of accentuates the triangularity of it. It's it's not great. It's not great. Uh, there's probably ankle protection okay. though. Yeah, and it's got that triangle shape to it. You know. Because you can very clearly tell, and Vince, you know that there's a lot of height there. There's a lot of colors there. Yeah, it's it's like knee protection as much as ankle protection. I mean, that is, that is a tall shoe. <laughs> they kind of look like the, they fit with the Suns uniforms, though, right now. Oh, yeah. No, they totally do. Which, by the way, full Suns bandwagon for Dario. Oh, for oh, we're Dario? On, we're on yeah, for the homie, Avi. Yeah. Okay, I didn't think that was going to be the first reason why, but all right, I can get down with that. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I guess between him and Mikel Bridges, I, you know, God, that's, that's the best option we have, right? You got to go with former assistant Monty Williams. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Monty was great. What a year for him. But mm-hmm. the whole thing is, it's so funny looking at the Suns now, isn't it? Because the Bridges thing, it constantly kills people here. Like, they're just so bad. And rightfully so. You drafted the guy. And his mom's here, and it's like this beautiful moment. <laughs> and they trade it for Zaire. So, like, that's hilarious. Yeah, Sarge being there is great. Monty Williams being there is great. But, like, that's a team that nobody saw mm-hmm. a year ago winning a title anytime soon. Like, two, three, you know, young guys still figuring it out. Devin Booker and all. They, they had pieces there, but man, like, Aiton's been great in the playoffs. How good he's looked. Booker's gone off. Uh, they've just got so many quality young guys on that team, man. I'm just, I'm jealous, honestly. I'm jealous of the Suns. Yeah, and I know this is something that uh, our newly verified NBA man, Austin Krell, was talking about in one of his film room fives about the, and Eric will know I'm a huge fan of funny jump shots. Oh, yes, absolutely. Cameron Payne looks like he should not make a single basket in this league. And he's a sniper. 
and it's uh, I love watching it, but it's all it's very curious. And I will say this: Chris Paul is exactly what that team needed. I didn't think of it at the time, but it is a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those things where I didn't expect it, but like the second it happened, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. like I could talk myself into this a little bit. I didn't think, again, I, even still, I didn't think they'd go this far, but man, I mean, all the injuries to the Lakers and the Jazz kind of stunk. I figured that was going to be the case. Did you guys buy the Jazz at all this year? Not really. A, a tiny bit. Yeah. I'm just, a, know, I, I'm a hater is my problem. It was tough because I didn't think they were going to be the first seed. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know about this for sure. But when I saw them play, I was like, okay, this is this team's gelling. This team's going really well. I never saw them making the finals. I saw them conference finals max. So a second round exit really didn't take me that much by surprise. Yeah, that's that's where I saw it. It was like, okay, yeah, they lost to the Clippers. I could see that. Losing without Kawhi was bad. I mean, that's particularly yeah. bad, losing to the Clippers like that. But. Like, yeah, I mean, that's about as good as they are. So at least we're not the only team because, like, they're going to have a little bit of an identity crisis this offseason, too. I'm just glad it's not just us as a one seed with an identity crisis on a second round exit. So I'll take that for what it's worth. And if we're going to talk 90s colorways, the jazz uniforms, right, with the mountains <laughs> essentially looking like a purple Coors Light can. Yeah. Oh, those I are here for that. Yeah. <laughs> The, the font and everything is wonderful mm-hmm. with that. Yes, but uh, Vince alluded to it, so I guess you know we can only dance for so long around the disappointment that was Game 7 and overall the 76ers' ultimately disastrous playoff run. And I know I said in our uh, our sort of writers group chat i need 24 hours on the sixers and i've tried to do it but i can't i just i I can't avoid stepping into the misery and the grime and the muck uh that this is all created and it's sort of really and i'm just going to go up front with it to get it out of the way it centers around ben simmons performance in the series and i don't think i've seen i don't know if it's the yips if it's like a Chuck Knobloch, you know, John Lester can't throw to first situation, or if this is like a severe rock bottom, you know, we've seen someone have a mental breakdown type of scenario. And I don't know which one I would rather it be at this point. Well, he's clearly broken. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it is a mental thing, obviously. I mean, the guy is passing a wide open dunk. Like, you just, it's ridiculous. And, and for him, the problem is he comes and goes anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's driving to the net some games, other games he's not. Sometimes he's really angry and you see him dominate a game, and other times he's not and he disappears. Like, he just, he's had something mentally about being locked in anyway. And so part of that, I I don't know, I I do ask more questions now than I did before, Mm -hmm. which is like, how much does he really love basketball? Maybe he just happens to be incredibly good at it. And he puts in the time, not saying he's lazy, but like, does he love it? You know what I mean? Like, is he in on basketball? Does he truly want to be a great player? How much does he spend time trying to evolve his game? Because like for those kind, for him to be held back like this, you just have to wonder. It's just such a fundamental, like the effort on the defensive side is great. He's great at that. He gets the accolades for that. But having the effort in the other areas where he's not as good, that, that's just the question that I have. Mm-hmm. Like, where is his head at in terms of the game? And then, obviously, what are the roadblocks that are holding him back? 
Yeah. So with Ben with Ben Simmons, I'm seeing a lot of comparisons between Markel Fultz and him recently. You know, uh, both have lost a lot of confidence. Uh, both are, you know, high touted prospects. Matt, I'm sorry if I gave you a little bit of PTSD there. The absolute but, the absolute heebie jeebies. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm seeing a lot of that recently, and maybe it's a better fit elsewhere. I mean, he only took one shot in the last six fourth quarters that he's been in. Which is wild to me. All the fourth quarter stats are awful. I know. There's, the, you can't spin anything. Yeah. That's really the biggest I, part I, to me. Like, I, the thing that's so surprising about it is Simmons has been this polarizing guy literally from the jump. Like, they drafted mm-hmm. him and people are like, oh, he wants to be in L.A. and he's just waiting to be a Laker yeah. and all this dumb stuff. And, like, that was, that was the life he lived. But as this conversation's continued to go on, I mean, it's raged. Like, this has been a war over is Simmons a good player or not. And after that series... I mean, everybody fell off. Like, th- there is no other side anymore. I, I, that contingent does not exist in Philadelphia of, like, Ben Simmons is a great player and a franchise cornerstone. I don't think you can really look at it honestly and say that he is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the most frustrating thing for me, because we talk about, you know, loving basketball and effort and the willingness to be better and do better. Those are things you say about a guy who maybe, you know, won't defend or won't put out effort in that area. But this is a player in Ben Simmons who excels at that, who you can see is engaged defensively night in and night out, and he just turns it off on the offensive end of the court, which is so counterintuitive to, you know, I think a lot of the things that we normally see from players who... It can be frustrating. Yeah. I, I. Okay. Let's talk about that for a sec, right? Because like I saw people putting out like he's lazy, which is not true. That yeah. is fundamentally not true. You can't call Ben Simmons lazy mm-hmm. at all. You can't do it. Like he's constantly playing hard on one side of the floor, and for him to play like that, it's not an effort thing. You don't turn it on and off to that degree. He just has no idea what to do with himself. He's completely lost, and he's scared out there. Like it. It is what it is. But it's not an effort thing. Hmm. Absolutely not. I mean, you see him hours before the game going, taking workouts and doing pregame shoot around like that does not tell me that that guy is lazy. The man works his tail off and there's just something that's mentally just not clicking, I think. And that's what's doing it more than anything. I think it's to me because I'm not a say a you know, basketball expert, but I have to look at this, you know, in a couple different ways and it feels a little bit like we've got maybe a Marinovich project situation on our hands, you know, with how Ben was brought up, you know, to be a certain player, how he was brought up to be left-handed to differentiate himself to, and he has so much family around him and he had, you know, that extension of the family in Brett Brown, you know, for, for so long. Is this a guy who's maybe just having to reach a point where he has to step out of a comfort zone and he's had to fall in order to do that rather than see, oh, uh, this is a level that I have to go past. He's instead fallen back. Well, yeah, I mean, going to rock bottom can be incredibly helpful Yeah, because you've hit rock bottom. Like, that's it. Once once you've bottomed out, it's like, all right, well, now I need to get my shit together. Let me turn things around and figure it out. So the question is, and and this is the problem for the Sixers, it's like, all right, this is rock bottom for now Mm -hmm. with Ben Simmons, but 
it doesn't mean it is rock bottom. Like he's a guy that has retreated into himself and for him to be like that, does he retreat more? Like you don't know when it's rock bottom until they make that turn out. And for the Sixers and and just for me watching the Sixers, it's almost impossible for me to give him the benefit of the doubt that he will turn it around. Mm-hmm. Now, other teams are going to look at it and think, hey, maybe we can turn him around and change of scenery and all that stuff. And they should. Like, if I'm, I don't know, I've heard people mention like Sacramento or something. Like, if you have nothing to lose, or which is a weird fit, but uh, I don't know, Detroit, you have nothing to lose. Like, get them. Fine. Like, see what you can do with them. Make something happen. Orlando blew everything up. Who cares? Simmons and Fultz together in Orlando. How about yeah. that? How great would that be? But like... Like it was like it was always meant to be, right? Yeah, it's destiny. It's destiny. If they won a title for the Orlando Magic, that would be the funniest thing on earth. I'm sorry. It would be hysterical. It's like an Ike Reese fever dream. Yeah. <laughs> great. But like, if that, if that went down, yeah, great. But like, as if I'm Daryl Morey, I just can't wait for another thing to change him here. You know what I mean? Like you just, I, I'm just done. I, I not to say that he's completely done and he'll never figure it out, but you can't waste Embiid's window hoping he will, and that's my problem. So as of last night, the two favorites to land Ben Simmons in a trade were Portland and Washington. Okay, so, Portland, McCollum, and Lillard. Yeah, they, they're yeah. blowing it up. So that that were could blow it up. So that well, makes sense. The, uh, going off of that, the rumored trade would be Ben Simmons for CJ McCollum and Rocco. If I'm losing Rocco Ben, back. I'm getting I'm Rocco back. There we go, baby. Get him back. Small ball five, Rocco. We got it. I would. I, I miss Rocco so much. Yeah, it'd be fun if he came back because that would that would get the take machine going off the tracks again. But uh, would you guys want McCollum for Ben Simmons? I I've been thinking about that most of today. I don't want a thirty-year-old CJ McCollum for for Ben Simmons at twenty-four. I can't do it. EJ, it's it's interesting because I look at CJ McCollum. And I'm like, man, if this is win now, I mean, you can't put it any more subtly that this is win now. I would be fine with CJ McCollum, but I would want a point guard in either free agency or through other means. I would actually much rather give Ben Simmons and extras up in an attempt to land Damian Lillard, but McCollum would be a nice plan B. I'd rather him go to Portland than go to Washington and stay in the Eastern Conference. See, part of me wants him to go to Washington. Like that would be fun to play against him a couple of times a year. Like like that would that would be interesting. Taking a field trip down to DC and watching him play there, but yeah, I'm with, like, I would trade everything. I mean, everything, whatever you have to do, like all the draft picks, if it's Simmons plus everything to get Lillard and that's mm-hmm. what it takes, give up everything. Like, fuck it, you're in. You're in. You're trying, like, you're trying yeah. to win with Embiid. So you're either trying to do it or you're not. And, like, McCollum, he's a nice player. I like him. They were a fun group together, him him and Lillard and all that, the runs that they had. But he's not going to get you over the top either. And do I trust him to be a reliable second score? That's going to take things off and beats plate. Like that's my problem, right? Is you look at, um, I don't know. Look at the bucks. For example, Middleton can have games where he gives you 30, 35 in the playoffs. I don't know if I trust McCollum to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And you need something like that. If you're going to get Embiid to just have enough gas. And it's like, I see McCollum and I see, just like I see Tobias in guard form, I don't see anything that 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 that's all that different. 
and I see two guys who may who are just going to end up being deferential to Embiid, and then we have sort of the same problem, where your offense is again sort of running through the center. Mm. And, and as far as trades go, I you know I don't like. I mean, I like Bradley Beal, and sort of the illusion of that. I don't you know, like making that deal. Obviously, in the conference. And I don't know what that would entail. And I, you know, I guess go for Dame, and you have to offer up draft picks. But I mean, where does that leave you with you know players that could go right? Because we saw you know Maxi, you know, was sort of coveted, and we wouldn't let him go now. Uh, how do we do that? You know, while you're also trading a point guard. Well, would you presumably for somebody older? Would you add him in? I mean, let's say it takes you Simmons, Maxi, a couple of firsts. You get Bradley Beal. Do you do it for Beal? No, because I think that help that resets the Wizards and makes them contenders. They're arguably as good as we are. Then, yeah, I'd do it if it was Thibel. Okay, so like Simmons, Thibel, a couple of firsts. You'd you'd go and make that deal. I would. I would do that, but. Matt mentioned Bradley Beal. I actually have my eye on a different guard in the Eastern Conference. I have my eye on Zach Levine. Okay. Um, I say Zach Levine mainly because the Bulls need the the uh, the draft picks. They just trade a whole bunch of them to Orlando to get Vucevic. Now, will they lose one tonight? I don't know. We'll see. But I see a team that needs draft picks, and I see a team that has extra in Philadelphia and a hole at shooting guard. I think Zach Levine to Philadelphia makes a whole a bunch of sense. I, mean, I, I would help the Bulls uh, with the rebuild, just expedite it. Well, I would love to have the player, but they tr- they traded for Vucevic. It felt like they were mm-hmm. trying to get to the playoffs. So I don't know what the Bulls are doing. Like they're in a weird spot. Uh, I thought that was an interesting move that kind of came out of nowhere last year. But yeah, like if they got Levine, great. You know, I, they just need somebody that can score because for Embiid to have to do everything on both ends of the court all the time. I mean, he's too big of a guy. Like, he had rest going into the playoffs. They only played five games in the first series. And by the middle of the second round, I know he's got the meniscus tear, but he could still dominate in a half. Like, he just lost gas in the second halves of these games. Like, he just didn't he didn't have the energy. That's the thing that kills me. So, you need a guy that can have that workload so Embiid just doesn't have to do everything. And that's, that's yeah. why, yeah, I give up. any. If Levine is going to be that guy, great. Get Levine. Now, another thing I'm all for, I am all for signing Kyle Lowry in free agency. I am no, all on board. No, for no, 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 no. Why not? Why not? Why not? He's 35. Okay. How much slower do we want this team to be? <laughs> like, at the, They're going to move at a snail's pace offensively at this point. It's just, and again, I don't like the idea of getting significantly older, right? I don't think it's a good trend. I mean... Chris Paul is one thing, but he operates by moving the basketball, right? It's just not, I don't see the fits in terms of you know a guy like Kyle Lowry. Mm, I don't know. Because it, it was there. We could have done it. Why would we do it now? Because, because you're not giving up any assets. Yeah, he's a free agent. That's, that's We're doing it free agency. Yeah, man. I mean, what did George Hill do? Did George Hill, like, I know he was on the floor, but I can't tell you a single thing that George Hill actually did. What did he do? Like, when they traded for him, I was like, all right, great. You know, George, like, small under the radar move, whatever. Got a point guard. Like, what did he do? 
<laughs> now, now the other thing is this with George Hill when they made that trade I felt the team was done I'm like if you're getting George Hill you're out on Kyle Lowry yeah, yeah. and that was the thing like they tried to get Lowry and they couldn't so it was like alright well let's get the consolation it's George Hill so now yeah I like I don't care if George Hill comes back or not. <laughs> like he doesn't do anything for me. I don't it's know what rental. his deal is. Yeah, like if he's if his deal's up, great. Like it didn't. It, they tried something and it didn't work. But yeah, they they need a legit point guard though. If it's not Lowry, you got to get somebody in here. You just you need it. And it's I mean also I guess you, when it comes to the money, right? It, there's a lot of things that have to move around. And if Simmons can't be moved without a significant package i i don't know how you do it yeah then it's tough because we're getting what like maybe what who's coming off the books scott yeah definitely uh you would assume white howard yeah danny green i believe furcon yeah danny green's a free agent so is furcon yeah but furcon said he wants to stay right well yes probably three or four of those guys are on the record as wanting to stay and I don't know. I mean, if Dwight's going to play for, you know, a, a similar contract, do you say no to that? For the vet minimum, he was solid. It's yeah. just that, you know, come playoff time, he wasn't exactly as effective. And that's always the Sixers problem, right? Mm-hmm. It's like every year, it's some guy they're trotting out at backup center, and that guy never seems to work. So I don't know what you do. Uh, if it's the Covington thing where you're making this trade and yeah. Covington comes in like, yeah, sure, small ball five Covington, let's let's go that route. But like, man, yeah, they, they don't have a backup center option right now. He he really could be back. I could see him back easily. Yeah, I mean, well, we're not calling up Christ Kamoji. He's not getting the... Uh, well, yeah, at what, seven foot six? Yeah. Dude, I love that guy. I've never seen him play a second of basketball. I love that guy. Him... Taco Fall. Mm-hmm. I'm a big. I, I know it's wrong to like Boston Celtics. Big Taco Fall guy. Big time. How can you not be? <laughs> well, I I went and I covered a, a Blue Coats game once, and there was a Christ Komoji triple double with <laughs> points, rebounds, and blocks. <laughs> the man had eleven blocks. It was insane. <laughs> That's awesome. 11 blocks. What was it like to sit there and watch a man that's 7 foot 6 block 11 shots in a game? It it was sort it was unlike anything I've ever seen before, especially cuz you know, you're at the floor level when when you're, you know, at the Blue Coats games and it's you're looking up at someone and it's like, "Oh, snap." And the best part was they were playing the Nets, a G League team. So TLC was out there. Okay. Like TLC's driving lane and Christ is just up there. Nope. <laughs> awesome. So backup centers, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. The, the tough thing is I haven't had any time because like we expected to go further, you yeah. know? So I haven't really looked at the free agents yet, like figuring out who really is available and who's not. But man, I mean, you know, more going to be making moves. He's going to be making moves real soon. Like, do you guys see the the whole Kemba Walker deal? How quickly that happened with uh, the Celtics trading him to where, uh, Oklahoma City? Does Brad Stevens only trade for people whose numbers he already has? I guess, yeah, <laughs> that's the deal. Yeah, that's that's how it goes. But like, because when that that trade happened so quickly, mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't even realize you can make trades. Yeah, yet. I you know it was. <laughs> it just fell fast. So maybe Maury, he's he's got to be on the phones already. 
I, yeah, you would imagine, and that's what worries me, right? Because Maury is, you know, the wheeler dealer style of guy. He, you know, he was active, you know, pursuing Harden, you know, pursuing Lowry. You have to assume he was making calls about, uh, you know, like Levine, Gordon, all those guys at the trade deadline. And now he's presented with this sort of albatross with what to do with Ben Simmons. And, you know, he's 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 a fiery guy. He, he's kind of like us in that way. But you hope he's very careful and very measured because this is going to be the most delicate deal he's ever done. And you see sort of what happened with how the Rockets were constructed and how that fell apart very quickly. Well, yeah, I mean, he was constantly rolling the dice to try to shake things up to get that team over the top, bringing in Chris Paul, bringing in that blew up. So now you're bringing in Russell Westbrook. Like he's the nice thing is he's experienced in dealing superstars, like having big time conversations like that. So I trust him there. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, I mean, really, how good does he think Simmons is? Or how good he will be, because the the nice thing is that some teams are so desperate to get to the playoffs and just have somebody to sell that they'll take four years, five years of Ben Simmons. You know, like oh, young superstar he dates Kardashians, like come see the show. You know that'll that'll do something for people. But if you're trying to win a championship, nobody's looking at Ben Simmons as the missing piece. He's just not. I mean, he's not that caliber guy, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate because you think of defense and it's such an uh, you know it's such a great quality, and he can spot up on anybody. But when the offense is that bad, man, I mean, you just you can't trust it. Yeah, we're trying to get EJ back. He can't hear us right now, but my question is, and I've sort of been toying around with this in my head since Sunday night. Who gets the next most blame for the Sixers' failures? Oh, next most blame. It's It's got to be Doc. It's got to be Doc? It's got to be Doc, yeah. right? Like, he just, you look at the rotations and how long he left the bench guys in, and it's just like, what are you doing? Now, is that on Doc, or is that on Maury and Elton for leaving him with that? Because what else was he supposed to do? Play, you know, Tobias 48 minutes? Well, for some of those games earlier in the playoffs, yeah, like burn those guys a little bit more, run them a little bit longer. Some of these teams, you rotate, you know, eight guys like the the Nets. I mean, this was game seven for the Nets, but they only played seven people. The, the eighth yep. guy was in for one inbound pass and he was just there. They, they sent in Nick Claxton to just jump around and like be a distraction, but they only played seven guys. I mean, if you're in a killer moment like that, yeah, like. Take the bench guys out and just play your horses, man. Speaking of the Nets, what a devastating game for Joe Harris. Dude, what a rough playoffs for Joe Harris. He was getting a lot of love. It was like, oh, man, this big three in here, but everyone's sleeping on Joe Harris. And then Joe Harris slept. Uh, So not great. Not exactly great. People were saying, yeah, Joe Harris may have been an all-star snub. And oh, oof. Yep. (laughs) How times change. But I'm wondering, because it's not just the championship window with Embiid, it's with everyone else, right? Because say you lose a Danny Green, who from the bench can replace him? Probably nobody, right? You would hope that a Thibel can evolve into that, but 
I've got serious concerns about him developing any type of offensive game at this point. And, I mean, you have him on the floor with Simmons, that's two offensive black holes. Well, yeah, no, and that is the problem. So you worry about that for sure when it comes to the Sixers and the rotation and all that stuff. But you got to give Thibel the shot. At least he's willing to do it, which it's crazy to say. But, I mean, we have to state that he's willing to do it. And for him being so young, yeah, like you got to give him time and see what he can develop with the shot. Let him fire away. Let him spend off seasons working on it because the defense is so transcendently good. I mean, he's already getting defensive player of the year votes. Mm -hmm. So for him to be, you know, second team, all defensive team, like all this kind of stuff. I mean, he's got so much going on that even if he doesn't end up being a a two-way guy, he could give you enough that that is a starter. Like in a couple, in a year or so, like if he just gets a tiny bit better with the shot, he's a starter. How devastating was the three-point foul on Werder? Yeah. Dude, he crushed the Sixers. Yeah. He crushed them. I mean, that was brutal. It was like looking at a redheaded Kyle Korver. <laughs> That's what it was, man. I mean, he just kept draining them. But yeah, you saw the foul from Thibel, and it just, that hurt. Mm-hmm. That hurt in such a big way. Because especially, I mean, through the whole game, everybody had trouble scoring. Yeah. And then, especially late, I mean, no one was hitting a shot. And you get that, and it's like, oh, my God, brutal. And if, we're, and if we're talking yips, have you ever seen Tobias miss so many close shots? I mean, layups not going in. That little fadeaway he does from you know a couple steps back in the lane, hitting up the against the front of the rim. That was. I mean, I, I think it's getting sort of swallowed up in Ben Simmons, you know, becoming a turtle. But Tobias choked. Several times. Well, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say this for Tobias and his benefit. He's a third star. That's mm-hmm. that's what he's supposed to be. He was giving you about 20 points a night. Yeah. Like, for what my expectations were of Tobias in the playoffs and what he actually showed up and did, I was all right with Tobias. Right. It, I, it, I would have liked more in Game 7, but I was all right. It felt different than last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And they need... I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, the playoffs do matter. I mean... How much better do you feel about Seth Curry now? Because a lot, yeah, right. Like I looked at Seth Curry in these playoffs. I was like, holy crap! I mean, he was their point guard down the stretch. It's like, wait, really? I mean, him and Embiid constantly going back and forth. Like they made things work, and to have those guys in a situation where they were able to, uh, they were able to be the whole Sixers offense. It was like, man, I didn't think Seth Curry had it in him, but. He did. He was great. He was really great in the playoffs. I mean, there were nights where he scored like 30, 35 points a night. Yeah, it was uh, it was Steph-esque, if, if to coin a phrase. And Rob Whitney, who's, hey, Robbo, uh, has told me that I'm too harsh on Tobias. I think some Twitter users are too harsh on Tobias, like the one who said he exchanged his ability to shoot for the ability to read good. What? Oh, my God. Twitter is an amazing place to make yourself laugh sometimes when people are frustrated with the Sixers. Dude, I hate Twitter. I really do. (laughs) Uh, Like, I I watched the chaos after the game. I went on Twitter. I spent like an hour and a half just kind of casually scrolling through the chaos, but... Once it got through that, man, 
it's just miserable out there. Mm-hmm. It's I, I try to dodge as much as I can. Like I got pissed off when um they somebody put up those missing posters and they put Simmons up, which whatever, it's kind of funny. But they put Harris up there, yeah. and at that point, he had been scoring twenty points a game. It was like, what do you mean, Mitt? Like you had one off game, you're just dying to crush this guy, and like that was totally not warranted. It ain't right, man. It ain't right. So what? So what was happening with that is what I think is that people were too lazy to make new ones, so they just reused last year's playoffs and just put it on. Yeah, <laughs> that must have been it. I, I mean, that was awful. It's just like. You animals, you know what I mean? Like every mm-hmm. time that's all Twitter is, is you wait for the moment where your guy looks good and you talk all the shit. And then when he's not any good, you don't say a word. You don't comment. You don't like anything. You just sit there and then you wait until you have that moment again where you have the upper ground and then you taunt people again. Like it's so ridiculous. I mean, you can go on my page. If you ever see a, a tweet in all caps that says Furcon or Furky from Turkey or, you know, <laughs> Ferk's Turkish Cafe, he just hit three threes. He's like currently three for four. And, you know, he, he may have just done the behind the back into the floater on the baseline, right? It's absolutely during a Ferk on hot streak. He's never going to be <laughs> oh, he's never going to be oh for four. And I'll be like, oh, the Ferkster still has great eyebrows. <laughs> Matt, you every time now I see him and every time he makes a shot, I'm like, yes, Ferky from Turkey. Let's go. And I have to thank you for that. (laughs) I mean, uh, I I have another thing that I'm thinking about. And, you know, in the modern NBA, we have a lot of player GMs, right? And players sort of dictating where they go, where others go. How much does Joel Embiid need to be involved in the pending Simmons decision? Oh, yeah, he's got to be. He's got to be. Yeah, I, mean, I would. Yeah, right? Yeah. He's too valuable. He means everything to the franchise, and you know it. And for him mm-hmm. to play like that in the playoffs and Ben to play like that, yeah, it's it's going to matter. Now, let's be real. What are the odds that Simmons is begging the franchise to keep Ben Simmons in uh, in town? Like, why why would Embiid do that? I don't know. I don't it, it's always kind of a mystery where their relationship is in terms of you know, friendship on and off the court and in terms of how good or how long Joel thinks he can play at this level realistically and I mean how they want to structure the team. Is this a heart over head type decision for him? I mean, that that's what we don't know. Yeah, I it, think. Eric, are you doing this? If you, or do you think it'd be betrayed him? I would. Um, mainly because I think Embiid would want somebody new to play with. Um, I've been a I've been a proponent of saying that I don't think Ben and Embiid really coexisted really well. And I think if Embiid had a chance to play with like a better point guard or a better shooting guard, I think he would in a heartbeat. Like uh, Rob Whitney, yeah. if he's <laughs> you in the chat, Dubs? <laughs> Am I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, Whitney. Uh, well, he's coming in soon. Yeah. But anyway, ah. uh, I, I jumped the gun on that. I'm a, I'm a quick trigger finger. I'm the anti Ben Simmons. We, but anyway, we damn. we we did see how. Because there were times, especially in that last game or the last couple, where Ben wasn't on the floor and Seth Curry was. 
and he was running kind of a two-man game with Embiid that seemed to really work. And I mean, Seth can't be a permanent point guard, but I think that's a wrinkle to the offense that is going to expand in the next season. And if you have another guy who can properly space the floor, I that that's a really interesting version of, well, I mean, not the triangle offense, but you could, you could have some points on the floor where you could score from there at, at any given possession. Well, that's the thing. A, you B, miss. or C. Yeah. That's, th- that's the thing you miss with having JJ Redick. Now, yeah. I don't know if you want JJ Redick now. I think no. I'm good with that. But man, when you had him and all the stuff with him and Embiid was working mm-hmm. so well, that was a nice element. You got a little bit of something like that with him and Seth Curry. So yeah, can you build on that? What does that become? Uh, can Seth Curry carry this over? Because like Embiid at the end of the regular season was talking about trying to get a guy like Seth Curry more confidence. And then he found it, and it was yeah. like, damn, I like, I really didn't think... I mean, he put up, what, like 34 points in a couple of games? I mean, he was he was phenomenal. So, you love to see that. It was just, it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was... Uh-oh. I, I guess there was some validation Uh-oh, I there. I not oh. stand for the Tobias slander. There you go, Dubs. Get him, Dubs. <laughs> Get him. Toby was giving you 22 and 9, yo, every time. Thank you. Stop it. That's what you wanted from Tobias. He went. Matisse making stupid fouls. He went eight for 22. (laughs) What did Ben go? What did Ben go? Give me eight for 22. Tobias hit 75% of his free throws. Yeah, for Simmons to hit a yeah. historically bad rate of like thirty four percent. I mean, you can't. He didn't even get. He didn't even get half a Tobias. <laughs> the be- the best part was it made me think about Ben Wallace for the first time in ages. Because apparently it was Ben Simmons and Ben Wallace neck and neck for the worst playoff three throw shooter. Wow, that is that's fun actually. That's pretty fun to think of those two like that. What a connection. 6'10 Benz, defensive studs, oddly similar players if you want to simplify it. Imagine Ben ben Simmons with Ben Wallace's afro. (laughs) (laughs) Do you get to add that to your height? Does that that count on your height on the chart if you have the fro? Yes or no? I'm just seeing JaVale McGee. Yeah, you me. That's pretty damn close. Process man. hero. That's right. Did what did he play? Like ten games? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah like I remember. That. I remember he was a Sixer, but I don't. I don't remember much of it. He may have gotten. Listen, he may have gotten ten minutes in those ten games. Oh, Listen, man. Andrew Bogut played zero. I think we just got a Bogut reference, but yeah. he's cracking out on us a little bit. Man, I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like even worse than Bynum. Like, we could talk about people that had a stay in Philadelphia where they contributed nothing but got paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugly. Right. Rob, where are you sitting? Stay, stay or go when it comes to Ben? He gotta go. 
And I was a big time supporter. I gave him every advantage. But when I saw him go, I'm cool on this dunk here, whoever he threw that to, Matisse or whoever, ruined this rest of this play. I was done. I was out. So, He's got no heart. So he I, that. Gone. I, I am that man from scratch. And we don't have time for that in Philadelphia. I, I am the last Benabler then. Benabler. Uh, yes. yes, that's what it, that's the term I've been hearing on the radio. Uh, Enabler. Benablers. Enabler. I guess I wasn't an enabler because I, I would argue with people, no, he's giving you defense. What about the, the seven boards and ten assists? And No, nah, I can't do it anymore, man. I can't do it anymore. After I saw him legitimately give up an easy dunk because he didn't want to take the pressure, maybe not making it or being fouled, or whatever. I'm like, he, he's way too timid. He can be fixed, but he got to be fixed elsewhere. It was at that moment that Rob Whitney gave up on Ben Simmons. Exactly. <laughs> the, the black and white cutaway with the, the overhead narration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that is something, because I see Ben as a very prideful guy, right? He sat out just to get rookie of the year, right? Yes, for the money, but also he wants those titles, right? He loves being the all-star, right? He loves being, you know, defensive player, you know, all-NBA, that type of guy. I think this is something that's going to stick in his crawl and is going to haunt and torment him for the next several weeks or maybe the next seven to ten business days. (laughs) And I think he really will... Maybe I'm just delusional, but I think this is it. I think this was that moment for him where he realizes I have to do something. I'm not saying he's going to get better, but I think he will do things differently. Now, it turns out he probably just really can't shoot. And then we're sunk and have the same problem. But I think things will change. I do believe there is a right hander that we're going to see play next year. Okay. In, in a 76ers uniform. See, like, that's that a is tough interesting. thing. You, you have to consider the fact that he could be back. I mean, he is on the team, right? Like, there is a possibility that everybody else in the league that has a real worthwhile player on it looks at Simmons and goes, you know, nah, like, we're good. And so, if that's the case, and you got this guy back, like, yeah, what do you hope for? You hope he switches hands. You hope he ends up playing aggressive all of a sudden. You hope he's got a real shooting coach. You hope that people yell and scream at him like it was funny. I mean, this has gotten so bad that my girlfriend, who does not care about basketball mm-hmm. at all, she's been <laughs> in on the Ben Simmons stuff. Yeah, like she's sending me memes of Joel Embiid carrying the bricks, and it's like here's Joel Embiid with Ben Simmons. Yeah, like, she's sending that to me. She never. She's not even from <laughs> Philly, and she's sending that to me. So that's how bad this has gotten. She sent me. She's like, yeah, um, Shaq said he would beat up Ben Simmons. Like she, and uh, you know what? Like, that's the kind of thing that I feel like it's got to get to. Like, I just, I don't know what's left. I don't know what's left with this guy. Because if this does, there's so many points where it's felt like if this doesn't do it, I don't know what will. Getting embarrassed in the playoffs where TJ McConnell takes his spot and wins the game against the Boston Celtics. Like, that happened. The TJ McConnell game a couple years ago happened. Um, You've got Jimmy Butler taking his job as a point guard in the playoffs. It's happened. So when it keeps happening again and again and again, I don't know at what point I'm supposed to believe it won't keep happening again. Like, that's the thing. 
Man. I just, I can't, it kills me. You brought up Jimmy Butler, and that reminds me, after like that bad Tobias game, Philadelphia fans have gotten so reactionary. People were saying, we really let Butler go for this. They're still on that. People are still bringing oh, up Jimmy they, Butler. Oh, they wait. They yeah. wait to bring out those takes whenever somebody screws up. Yo, you know the entire time Ben was struggling, it was, we didn't want to give him up for James Harden. I'm like, the dude that got hurt? The dude that was a shell of himself? That was all throughout the playoffs. That was literally the entire thing I saw throughout that entire series with Atlanta. That's yeah. You were just thinking about James Harden the whole time. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. I mean, I'm not. I wasn't yeah, thinking was about it. The narrative all over Twitter. Oh, we could have got James Harden. I'm like, this dude was hurt the entire time. There's the reason Kevin Durant played every minute of every game. Well, James Harden <laughs> did too, though. James Harden in Game Seven played every minute, and for a guy with one hamstring, he was phenomenal. Like I would take James he Harden on. Phenomenal. Yes, he was. He was amazing. I mean, he was getting to the foul he line. Was, he was getting double-digit assists. They would have trusted assists. him with the last shot. No, they would have How do you not give that last ball. shot to Durant? How yeah. dare you? He had no legs. You see where the ball went? He had no legs. Uh, yeah, he passed well, it to Harden. Harden passed it right back. Well, yeah, because Harden had one leg the whole time. No Harden was playing with a peg leg, and he had you had to give it to Durant, man. I mean, he, the shots Durant hit, he hit the overtime shot. Like you had to give it to Durant. But honestly, James Harden with one hamstring was infinitely better than Ben Simmons was like oh, with, with both with both hamstrings yeah dude I'm sitting here my witness sitting on this balcony in the wildwood that uh, right now I would have wished we would have actually made that trade sorry man off I love you but we should have made that trade we all drank the man off juice that no James Harden not a top five player he would have got us 20 every night he was on the court or at least tried or would have put up shots it would have made a complete difference than what we got with Ben that terrible Atlanta series. Well, here's my thing. At the time, you're going, all right, a lot of this problem is Brett Brown. The offense was fluky or the offense was horribly built. Like, I don't regret not getting James Harden. It would have been great. It would have been great. But, like, in the moment, it was one of those things where you can only put up so much. Brooklyn gave up a ton. And I, w- I wanted to see what Simmons and Embiid looked like with actual shooters around them. Like, yeah. I wanted to see what that was. It got a number one seed in the East. It's just playoff Simmons stinks. And, like, it, it from all the good changes that happened around this team, like Embiid took a leap, Seth Curry took a leap, Tobias took a leap. You saw all these guys, like, it was a real team with great chemistry that won on the road. Like, they were fundamentally different this year. And Simmons is the same thing. So now it's like, now I know, you know, last year or at the beginning of the year, if you trade them for Harden, you just don't know. And like trading a 23, 24 year old as talented as he is could haunt you forever. But like, I have no questions. I'm good. I'm, I'm, other teams are still going to have questions, which is why you're lucky enough that he's got value. But I'm good at this point. I still believe that James Harden and Kyrie Irving will destroy that team from within. So I'm not worried about the Nets in the future. <laughs> yeah, I I thought Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were going to destroy that team within. Now you add James Harden, who's almost got as big of an ego as the other two. It's it seems like it's a recipe for disaster. Add in Blake Griffin to that recipe, and you've got something spoiled. It's oh, gone oh. rotten. That might be unfair oh. to Blake. 
I think it's unfair to the team. I, I didn't think I would yeah. be the Nets defender here all of a sudden, but those guys made it work pretty well for being a bunch of like, you know, very suspect personalities as a group. Like they they made it work, yeah. man. I got it. Like James Harden came in. They were like, yep, over, over a sprint. Over an eight, over yeah. an eighty-two game down, next season. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but did Ky- Yeah, but Kyrie, they're, they're, but Kyrie went down because of Kyrie, because he was not in basketball shape. <laughs> Kyrie Irving screwed Kyrie Irving. Yeah, <laughs> all right, Vince McMahon. Ky- Kyrie, Kyrie. No Kyrie. Kyrie is the scene in Creed, right? Where right. where Rocky is over Michael B. Jordan's shoulder saying, This man, right? This is the one you've got to fight. This is your greatest opponent. Right? And then he starts shadow boxing. That's Kyrie. He's fighting himself and he's losing. <laughs> So the Phils. Ugh. Jesus. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, there we go. But while I have EJ and Rob, how excited are you guys for Money in the Bank? Oh, I'm really excited. I want to see where this goes. I, there's some really good dark horses. I'm interested to see what EJ thinks as far as dark horses in the, the, the men's uh, Money in the Bank match. Like seeing our boy Riddle. Uh, ink his spot. I'd be interested to see him get the briefcase, whether Randy screws him if he does get the briefcase, something like that. It, it's, it's some interesting ways it could go. If we're talking it's the great. darkest horse, it's got to be Johnny Drip Drip. I love oh, Johnny yeah, Drip Drip. John Morrison. Matt, Matt seems so happy when I told him that Johnny Drip Drip qualified for Money in the Bank last <laughs> night. I just, I'm like, yo, Morrison's going to be a Money in the Bank. I find him immensely entertaining. And you know, at some too. point, he's gonna hit the, you know, he's gonna hit the signature move off of the ropes onto a ladder, which is laying on somebody's chest, and that's just good, clean, wholesome fun. Yeah, it's it's every no, Morrison it's ladder match. Yeah, <laughs> it's every Morrison ladder match, and I'm really excited to see what happens on SmackDown with the other qualifying matches. Because if we're getting the people like Ricochet. And John Morrison and Riddle, and we get like those kind of that much talent. I'm really excited, and I think it could be one of the best Money in the Bank matches. Now, I'm more worried about what they're going to do after Money in the Bank because it feels like for the past couple of years that briefcase has been squandered multiple times. Yeah, the Otis scenario. Oh yeah, that Otis. Well, at least at, at least the guy that ended up getting the briefcase cashed in successfully and won the title. Yes. Yes, I was happy for Miz when he did that. It's I was very happy for Miz. They had to push the whole Bobby Drew thing. I and I get it. Bobby had this dude. He had a, the hurt business was on fire. You had to do what you had to do there. But I wish Miz would have had a little bit longer of a run. Yeah, I, I could I could have seen that. Um, but I'm happy for Miz. He did his role well. I can't believe they gave him the briefcase back after he failed to cash it in at TLC. Yeah. That surprised me. Um, but I'm really looking forward to Money in the Bank. I'm looking forward to Kofi versus Lashley. Me I too. think that's going to be a very, very fun match. I do think well, Lashley takes it. Did you enjoy the Monday Night Raw Hell in a Cell for like the first oh, yeah. 15 years? Yeah. So we have t- for the past like 25 years, we had no cell matches on network TV. In four days, we have two. 
Exactly. I, I did like Roman and Mysterio, though, on SmackDown. That was fun. Yeah. That was really good. Of course, I'm liking everything Roman does. I don't know if you can see me, but I got that Acknowledge Me shirt on. Yeah. Everything Roman's doing right now is just money. Rob, it's money in the bank, really, because like, Rob, everybody's eating it up. Rob's the head of the table. Acknowledge me. I am me. the head of the table. Acknowledge me. I am the tribal <laughs> chief of Write the Radio. Matt knows it. <laughs> I'm getting a Matt a shirt that says Right Hand Man. It's like James. <laughs> main event, main event, Maritaya. <laughs> exactly, main event, Maritaya. If I had a couple more shades, <laughs> I could challenge you for tribal chief, but <laughs> I, I am part Irish, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. See, see how quickly these WWE guys get off on their tangents. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've yeah. totally lost think, all of this, yeah. by the way. I have no idea what the hell is going on. Francis is like, what is going on I'm, here? I'm just enjoying the ride at this point. I'm just, I'm here to watch. Apparently, they're getting John Cena and Brock Lesnar to come back within the next six months. Oh, okay. Now that's I know. That's the way things are yeah. well, not Now that's, that's my I language. Think they want Cena, not even, Reigns, not even six months. Yeah, not even six months. Like, a couple weeks. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cena, Reigns, SummerSlam is supposed to be what's going to happen. And, and probably Lesnar, Lashley. Yeah. The, they're looking to cash in on Cena's big success with F9 and then Suicide Squad right into uh, SummerSlam. Oh, okay. There you go. Wait, yeah. I didn't realize he's in Suicide Squad. Yes. What, who's he playing? Apparently he's playing the Peacemaker. Uh, I'll find out when I see it. Um, but okay, there, yeah. that's that's smart. Yeah. I mean, good for them. It's That's the thing with wrestling, right? It's good promotion. They, but, but what's deal with Brock Lesnar? Why is Brock Lesnar coming back if... Like Cena makes sense. What's what's Brock Lesnar doing? Ah, uh, he's nothing else really. Oh, okay, well, yeah. there you go. Just like yeah, <laughs> let's else? dust off Brock. <laughs> yeah, let's see what he's up he's, to. Listen, he's living in Minnesota with Sable. He's living a pretty good life. Exactly. Really? He's, 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 he's married to Sable. Yeah. Wow. Yes, he's married to Sable. Oh he got kids in the whole nine yards. Oh my god. Yeah. Wait, wow. he's living in like this this like rustic lodge up in Minnesota. <laughs> Wait, you e- see him when he's not like EJ on air, wh- when he got his scruffy. Uh, I chop down trees, beard and yeah. shit. <laughs> EJ, which one is the Undertaker married to? Is that Michelle McCool? Yes. Yeah, it's Michelle yeah. McCool. Yeah, it's I saw that. Yeah, that was on Last Ride, uh, the Undertaker's documentary, which was really good. Highly <laughs> recommend it. Uh, but he he lives like in the middle of Texas, in the middle of nowhere. Makes sense. We also got some exciting. If we're jumping to other sports. FCF news today, which Petit put oh, yeah. in the chat. Oh, yeah. I got to check that. What what came out? I missed this. Expansion. Okay. Officially to eight teams. Yes. Yeah, damn right. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's <laughs> that's a that's a big leap. They were at four last yeah. year. So they're, they're I'm doubling that's a double. Yeah. That's twice. Yeah. Investor money, baby. Bring that's it on good. in. That's what it is. They're just, they're just raking it in. So they got somebody to buy it, which makes sense. I mean, if, if you could tell me, hey, uh, would you like to own a football team from the ground floor? I'd be like, yes. Yes, I would. Yep. Speaking of which, at D's, where are my cards? Oh, yeah, the trading <laughs> cards. They got to send those, dude. I got two boxes. Right, yeah. So Come on. I. I think they were due to ship out, I think, the 12th. Yeah. Or that's what it had said. Yeah, uh, you know, setbacks. Okay. Setbacks. Yeah. Yep. Couldn't get Trav Daddy's face quite right. <laughs> yeah. Not, All right. 
Now that, now that the Sixers are done, everything we're pretty much dead in the water. Yeah, I, I have exactly. no desire to talk about the Phillies whatsoever. No, I say we bury Eddie them. Really? Goes at this point. Yeah, if if I'm not on next week, you could do that next time. You yeah. know, it's like do it when I'm not here. I don't feel like talking about the Phillies. I'm good. Uh, next week, extreme badminton. Like that's where we're going. There we, we go. Let's let's just play. Let's just play badminton for the show next time. <laughs> listen, listen. In two weeks, we can talk about the hot dog eating contest. Uh, maybe. Is Kobayashi coming back yet, or is it still chestnuts to lose? <laughs> Man, I, I I'm a big big Kobayashi guy. I remember the one year Matt Stoney beat Chestnut, and it looked like the 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 planet was just gonna just evaporate. Is the Black Widow still competing? Former Wing Bowl champion. That I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Aww. Apparently there's a chicken wing shortage. Yeah, which is going to be selling uh, thighs now. Yeah, wing stops. Thing. Wing stops on thigh thighs. Stop. <laughs> thigh stop. <now. laughs> That's a club somewhere, I think. Thigh stop. But <laughs> man, uh, <laughs> gentleman's Hey, thighs are great. I'll t- I'll take a chicken breast over a chicken thigh and not think twice about it. That's an easy decision for me. Thigh stop is 100 percent in OKC. <laughs> <laughs> That's why James left. <laughs> Kemba Walker's gonna love thigh stop. Oh yeah. There you go. Oh. That's his reason to stay right there. Oh, you you gotta resign with the thigh stop in town. <laughs> well there you have it. So to so to review. Thigh stop. Decent club. Um, <laughs> the FCF is expanding. The WWE may get a little more retro here after Money in the Bank heading into the SummerSlam. And I am the last Ben Simmons believer. Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think you got everything lined up. All right. And with that, I think we. We've just about hit time to wrap. Uh, I just have to marvel at that fantastic timepiece that Dubs is showing off right now in the video chat. Ooh, fancy. Ooh. <laughs> Made out of real plastic. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine. <laughs> grade, grade A plastic. Exactly. Right. Biodegradable here, pal. <laughs> No, it looks good, Dubs. It looks good. <laughs> Dubs, where can the members of Watch Gang find you online? <laughs> they can find me on Twitter at Rob M. Whitney. They can find me on Instagram at Rob the Writer. You can find me on Facebook. Just type in Rob Whitney. I'm all over the place. You can also go get the book, Hope Over Hurt. It's on Amazon and digital and in paperback. And you can probably also find me in the pool in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> EJ, online addresses. Online addresses. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Johnson Six. That is E R I K J O H N S E N Six. That's right. My Scandinavian heritage really comes out in full force. And you can find me on Instagram at Eric Johnson. Name spelled exactly the same. And you can find me 
probably in a pool within the next day or so. Not the same pool that Rob's going to my, my <laughs> local pool. I, I, I'm not doing that drive to, to Wildwood just yet. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you can find me in the shower every week and that's, uh, that's it though. It's only once a week. It's once a week. That's it. I come and I go. Otherwise I smell fantastic. You have a nose problem. It's not me. Make sure the curtain's closed. Uh, no, no. no. We live stream it. I've got an OnlyFans account. You can find me on OnlyFans at It's Vince Quinn. That's all one word. It's Vince Quinn. Uh, same as Twitter and Instagram, where those are actual accounts where I'm not live streaming myself naked. So It's Vince Quinn. Uh, nice and simple. And also, Last Out Media. Just look up Last Out Media, working on all the podcasts. That's where we're doing the show. Lastoutmedia.com. And I am Matt Marite. You can find me tailgating the College World Series, aggressively rooting for schools I didn't go to. Um, <laughs> let's go Vandy. Always been a big Commodore. They're the Commodores, right? Solid band. Yeah. Solid band, yeah. the Commodores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big fan. I, yeah. I do want to mention, though, I liked how Rob went from, like, his pool to my local pool to the shower. Like, the bodies of water are just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes, <laughs> yes you can find me in a kiddie pool with my feet likely <laughs> above my head. Uh, other than oh, that, I will be on the interwebs at mmeritea22 across all platforms. That's Twitter, Instagram untapped if you want to keep up with the beverages uh and as always contributing to last out media my latest features a video of gabe rosado knocking uh an uzbek silver medalist from the 2016 games into probably next month uh with a knockout of the year candidate and as always we are right the radio powered by last out media where we do all of this great and fun and powerful stuff. And we will see you next time. Thanks for stopping by. Bye. Thank you. Oh, black hearts on my card again. At the crib telling your girl that we should order in.